Thanks for tuning in to 318 Live Podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you are loved. And we're praying for you. We're praying that each message will encourage you no matter what journey you find yourself in. We hope you enjoy this message. wants us to have an abundant life, a rich and satisfying life. What does that mean? Our Western culture would equate an abundant life with something like a really good social status, huh? I mean, we're taught that from, from knee-high to a baby. Does anybody say that anymore? Just old people like me? I'm just kidding. We're taught that, I mean, from here to here. Be better, do more, get more, have more. This is the abundant life. You, you graduate, and then you get a good job, and then you have a good family. But who really does all of that, really? I mean, good. Do you know a bunch of good families? I don't. But we've been sold this bill of goods that the abundant life is is some beautiful, picturesque thing that no one can really attain. So what is Jesus talking about? Is that what he means by abundant? I mean, in this verse, he's comparing us to sheep. And they're pretty low on the totem pole. So I have a feeling that's not what he's talking about. Let's look at a story Jesus told, and let's see if it will help us get our heads wrapped around, first, what the abundant life is not. Luke 12, 13 through 21. Luke 12, 13 through 21. Then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, I love Jesus, friend, at least he called him a friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Jesus is like, what, what are you talking? What does this have to do with me? But I love that Jesus doesn't just shoo him away. He finds this as a teaching moment. Jesus does that a lot. You'll see that in the Gospels. People ask him stupid questions, and he goes, okay, let me teach you. I love that he does it. He does that with me all the time. Praise God. <laughs> Verse 14. Jesus replied, friend, who made a judge over you to decide, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Verse 15. Then he said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Okay, so there's more than one kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Oh, it's not? Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, this is his first mistake, talking to himself, what should I do? (laughs) I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. Remember they said you're crazy if you answer yourself, so he's crazy. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all of my wheat and other goods, and I'll sit back, uh uh-oh, and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Uh Uh-oh. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Isn't this encouraging? Then who will get everything you have worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to do what? To store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. See, in our Western culture, we will look at a life like that and say, man, he is killing the game. Have you seen his new house? Have you seen his cars? Did you see the boat he just bought? 
Did you see the vacation they just took? Oh my gosh, I can't wait till I can get some of that. We look at his life and we say, oh, his life is so full. But God looks at him and says, you fool. Wow, interesting. You thought that's what this life was about? You thought that was abundance? Having more stuff? Having a better status? You fool. What is the abundant life that Jesus is talking about? Well, it's not a season of life. Well, when I get out of this season and I'm into the next season, what are you talking about? You'll just be going through seasons and seasons and seasons. Well, what, what season? It's not a certain age. Well, when I'm 30, then I'll, what? You may not make it to 30. That's life. It's not an address. It can't be. Well, when I'm in Stonebridge, then I'll have a small group because I'll have a big house. What are we talking about? Is that the abundant life? I don't think so. I could be wrong. It's not a relationship status. Well, when I'm married, I'll have more money, and then I can go ahead and I just tell you, you won't. First of all, let's just, we can talk about that. Let's go over here. No, get it. No, it doesn't work that way. If your life isn't abundant right where you are, there's a good chance it's not going to be abundant when you get where you're going. You have to be careful. It's not simply a state of mind. I talk to, to people all the time that say weird things like, well, I'm just, you know, I just kind of, hmm. I can just go there and I just feel like life is good. And life, what? But what is your life producing? Because that's just fake. And that's all ethereal. And who can even see that? And what are you even talking about? It's not a state of mind. What does the word mean? Abundant, plentiful, rich, lavish. I just love these words. Abounding. I'll just say them over and over again. Generous. Bountiful, large, overflowing, overflowing. God wants us to have a life that is overflowing. What's the opposite of abundant? Come on, listen for, listen for some key words. Is your life matching up with any of these words? Depleted, insufficient, lacking, meager, needy, wanting, scarce, Sparse, stingy, ew. It sounds a lot like still, kill, destroy. Just, ugh. It's the kind of life the enemy is banking on each one of us having. So we can be stale and ineffective in our world. A depleted life. An insufficient life. A wanting life. Always grasping for more. Always wanting more. Never being satisfied with the real abundant life that Jesus provides. The abundant life won't be perfect, but the abundant life is rich because it is one lived in a constant fellowship and relationship with Jesus. Really quickly, what can we learn from this story? What can it teach us about the abundant life? At the end of that story, Jesus says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Number one, in order to have a truly abundant life, we must have a rich relationship with God. 
a relationship that is full of his presence and his power. Let's take Paul's life as an example. Paul was a man who, whose name was originally Saul. He was a Jewish man, and, and some of you know the story, but some of you may not. And, and he was persecuting the Christians. I mean, he was having them thrown in jail. He was so against what they were doing, he was willing to go to other cities and hunt them down. And God stops him in his tracks, and he becomes a powerful man of God. And he preaches the word, and he travels, and he does things other people won't do. He's an amazing, amazing man. He has an abundant life. And we're going to read Philippians 1, 12, 14, but I want you to understand, he's writing this and he's arrested. He's been arrested by his own people and he's been taken for trial to Jerusalem, to, excuse me, to Rome. But Paul's arrest, which some would have seen as a limitation for his purpose, if anything, enhanced it. I thought that was really cool. Philippians 1, 12 through 14, and Paul's writing to the people in Philippi, and he says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread, ooh, spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Paul's life was abundant. Would we say that's true? He was one man, one man. But the results of his relationship with Jesus reached far and wide. And they overflowed into the lives of others. This is the abundant life. A truly abundant life is not limited by circumstances or surroundings. Paul is credited with writing one-third of the letters included in the New Testament. And it is believed that he wrote the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, all while being under house arrest, under prison guard. How cool is that? So his life is still overflowing, even though he's not going. Wow, that's interesting. So I don't have to go all over the world and, and preach the gospel. No, you can, but you don't have to. You can have an abundant life working in an office from 9 to 5. It's true. If he could do it under house arrest, I can do it working at Target. What you think? You think I can do that? We are still living and benefiting off of the overflow of Paul's constant fellowship and relationship with Jesus. What a beautiful, abundant life. In order to have a truly abundant life, we must have a rich relationship with God. What else does this story teach us about the abundant life? Same thing that Paul's life really teaches us. A truly abundant life overflows into the lives of others. I always think about how the story Jesus told could have turned out differently. If instead of, number one, talking to himself, you should really talk to God. That's just a side note. When the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God, if you get a good gift and you want to know what to do with it, don't ask your mama. Don't talk to yourself about what should, what should we do. We should just keep it. That's what you're always going to say to yourself. Ask God. God, is this bonus? I mean, I really don't need it. 
Do you want me to, yeah? He'll tell you things like that. That's teaches cool like that. But I wonder how this story could have gone differently. God asks him at the end, now who will get everything you've worked for? He could have given it away. And he might have lived. Hmm. Let's take a look at how the Macedonian believers lived an abundant life. Paul's writing in his second letter to a group of churches in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 8. And we'll start at verse 1. And he says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. Not just poor, <laughs> very poor. But they are also, hear this, filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us, listen to this, again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Wow. They were just like Paul. They had a rich relationship with God. And what was the result? What was the result? These believers were poor. They were suffering. But in spite of all their troubles, they were filled. Think about that. With abundant joy. But you know what is interesting to me about this? They didn't stop there. They didn't just all sit around and sing, we've got the joy, 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 joy down in our heart. Down and sing with me, hey. Down in our heart, we've got the joy, 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 joy down in our heart. Down in our heart to stay. Very good. You guys are good at that. They didn't do that. Well, they could have. I just spit out some gum. And that would have been true. Their life was filled with abundant joy, but they didn't stop there. Hear me. Sometimes we stop there. Oh, I've got joy. Ooh, I'm so glad. No, no, I'm going on. No, it's not just about you having joy. The abundant life is that joy flowing out of your life, touching other people's lives, and they got it. They were poor. They had nothing. It sounds like Paul was surprised. They had to beg us, and they begged us. I wonder if Paul was like, hey, guys, you don't have anything. You know that, right? They were like, oh, no, we have something. Ooh, we have something. We've got this joy, and we don't even know what to do with it. So we're going to give you everything we have because we've tapped into this thing called abundance, and it's beautiful. Having an abundant life is not about only you having an abundant life. An abundant life multiplies and then it supplies for everyone that it touches. A truly abundant life overflows into the lives of others. A negative story teaches us two positive lessons. In order to have a truly abundant life, we must have a rich relationship with God. And a truly abundant life overflows into the lives of others. So how did we get there? How do we get to this rich relationship with God? How do we have a life full of abundance that we can share 
with others. John 12, 23 through 26. Here Jesus is describing his death and he paints a beautiful picture of what a truly abundant life looks like. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Listen, I'm a kernel of wheat. I'm going to die. And I'm going to produce a plentiful harvest. If you want to follow me, you're going to have to do the same. This is the abundant life. Jesus, you want me to lose my life? <laughs> you just said two chapters ago. I know you don't know that right now, or maybe you do because you're Jesus. Two chapters ago, you were saying that I could have an abundant life, and now you're talking about me losing my life. What do you mean? I mean, the only way that you're going to get the abundant life is if you're willing to die to your life, to yourself, to your me-first, self-centered, stingy, all-about-me life. The abundant life begins with us dying to our old life. Let's hear verses 24 and 25 in the message paraphrase. Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. Man, I don't just want to be a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. Wow. We have to be willing to bury our old life. And I love this because the Lord really dealt with me as I was doing all of this. He showed me something and maybe it was just for me, but he was like, this is how you beat the devil. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. He's coming to seal, kill, and destroy your life. But you beat him to it. You say, no, I willingly lay down my life. I'm just like Jesus. Jesus says, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. And I am most like Jesus when I lay my life down, when I put my own life in the ground. And I say, God, do what you want with it. Do what you want with it. I'm going to bury my old life. Jesus wants us to know that our abundant life is seed life. We're going to have to sow it in order to grow it. Seeds have a purpose. They have to die to their old nature so that they can be transformed into something completely new. And just like a seed, Jesus calls us to die to our old life, our old way of thinking. So he can change our old way of being. And he can change our old way of doing and be transformed into someone 
hear me, someone completely new. Not just parts of you, but all of you. Those of us who are in relationship with Jesus are reborn to produce and provide. But before we can get busy living, we have to get busy dying. Colossians 3, 3 through 7. Paul's just reminding the people of Colossae. He's saying, for you died to this life, remember? And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, so, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Now, just hear it one more time. I didn't make it up. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Nothing to do with. That's strong, Paul. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, just like the man with the barns, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. You died to this life. It's buried six feet deep. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. In verses 5 through 9, and we didn't read them all, but they list, and you need to go back and look at that. They list some what I like to call now, <laughs> as of today, abundant life killers. They will absolutely stifle and kill your abundant life. Things like sexual immorality. Lust. Evil desires, greed, anger, rage, slant lies, dirty language. These things are like bacteria in our hearts that make our fruit rotten and good for nothing. So we must put them to death. I mean, it's only logical, right? We must. I remember when I first got saved, man, I would read sexual immorality and I'd be like, oh God, forgive me again. Now he had forgiven me, but man, my life before Jesus, if you looked at promiscuous in the dictionary, there my face would have been. And I would have been so unassuming, I probably would have been smiling because I didn't know any better. So I, did, I got saved, but those desires didn't go away overnight. But I read these scriptures. I remember when I would read these scriptures and I would go, wait, you it's possible? If you said it, it must be possible. So I will not rest until I put this to death. Woo, I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. I remember having a, a gentleman at my house and, and he's trying to get frisky with me. Can I talk about this? And uh, my husband's over here now, so it's okay. He understands. Um, but I'll never forget, we were going a little too far. And he thinks I'm crazy. It's probably still to this day. I ran upstairs in my apartment, and I brought my Bible down, and I slammed it down on my living room table. <laughs> and I had forgotten about that story till today. But anyway, but I was so serious. I still made mistakes. I still let myself go further than I wanted to go. But I started getting fed up. You said I can put this to death? 
Woo, I'm on it. I'm on it like white on rice because I want this new life that you recreated me to live. How bad do you want it? That's what it comes down to. Because if Jesus told us to do it, that means we can do it. But how bad do we want it? By his spirit, by prayer, through the word, and practicing. That's all I was doing by slamming my Bible down. I was doing it all wrong, probably. <laughs> I was just trying to do something. I felt like it would be a dagger for a vampire. I don't know. I'm going to slam this Bible down and something's going to happen in this house. Do what you got to do. But try. Try. Because of Jesus, you can become the tree you were meant to be. The abundant life is yours for the taking. But just like I'm telling you my story, I want you to understand you're not going to have the abundant life without a fight. In order to have it, you must be ready for a fight. Remember, nestled in the promise of the abundant life is also a promise of a real enemy who is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is one of the sneakiest, scariest things he does. If he can't stop us, he'll try to stifle us. He'll allow us to grow to a certain point. And then it'll seem like all heck will break loose. And we'll kind of shrink back down to a manageable life. That's not the abundant life. We must be on guard. We must remember that our abundant lives are not just about us being seeds that grow into beautiful trees. So we can look at our world around us and say, hey, look at me, I'm a tree. Oh, oh, do you see my fruit? Ain't I cute? Because listen, he'll deal with that. He'll let you live like that. Because that's nothing. That's ineffective. The people on the outside say, oh, that's, they think they're so good anyway. They're so much better than, oh, look at them. They just want us to. That's the devil will settle for that. Because that's an ineffective life. Watch me worship. Watch me dance. Watch me preach. Watch me give. Ooh, he'll settle for that. We have to get this. Our Christian culture can become inbred really quickly. Instead of us going out into our culture and providing life-giving change, hope, and peace, we can, come, we can form a super clicky club of people who are good at showing off their fruit to one another. Huh? And inspecting each other's fruit. Man, we become good fruit inspectors, don't we? But when we do that, the devil has us right where he wants us. That means we're not using our fruit to do anything significant for the kingdom of God. Not really. When we live life like this, we are playing into his hands. He wants us to focus on ourselves. He wants us to somehow think that we are all that matters. That once we're in, we're in and, and now it's all about me. See? No. <laughs> See, this is his MO. This is how we can know when it's him. This is what got him kicked out of heaven. Right? Last time I, I was here, I told y'all. Jesus said, look, I saw him fall like lightning. The minute he tried to raise his head up and say, it's all about me, boop, gone. I don't want to be like that. But that's his MO. He wants us all to think like him, 
be all about ourselves, me, me, me. The abundant life replaces me with him and them. Him and them. He's going to take care of me. I don't even have to think about that. Him and them. I love him, so I'll love them. I love him. So I'll serve them. Mm. I trust him. So I'll step out on this ledge and I'll help them. Because he's not going to leave me. If he's calling me out there, he's going to go with me. I trust him. So I'll help them. This is the abundant life. You're just a flow through center. You're just a conduit. You're producing fruit so you can provide it to your world. Your rich relationship with God mm, is doing so much for everyone around you. That's the abundant life. I don't want to be like the man with the barns, producing and not providing, missing the point of the abundant life that Jesus died for me to have. The abundant life that Jesus provides is full of purpose. It is rich and satisfying, and it overflows with the goodness of God. In order to have it, we're going to have to die to ourselves. We're going to have to bury our old lives and let God make us into a life-giving tree. We have to be ready for a fight. And in order to have the abundant life, we have to trust in the goodness of God. We have to. Because it's not always going to be pretty. In fact, in the abundant life, we will experience much pain. Much pain. Our enemy is a trickster. I've been serving the Lord now for 11 years, and I have seen people who started this journey with me tap out. One after another. Because the devil lied to them and said, oh, you're serving God. Life's not supposed to be this hard. Your mom's not supposed to get cancer. You prayed for her. Your husband's not supposed to leave you. You did everything that the book said. And they've tapped out. One, and my heart breaks as I thought about all of this. I just talk about pain. I, I was overwhelmed. People I've forgotten. Because when the pain came, they couldn't handle it. Why? They had believed a lie. The enemy was kept telling them that it was supposed to be easy. But Jesus never promised that. He never promised it. The Macedonian believers, the ones who were overflowing with generosity, they were in pain. They say they were so persecuted. They were being persecuted by Jewish people. Jewish people were coming all the way there just to persecute them. The authorities were persecuting them. They were so poor, poorer than we understand. That's pain. But it didn't stop their abundant life. Paul, <laughs> flogged time and time again, beaten, left for dead, lowered in a basket, trying to get out of somewhere and just be safe, shipwrecked more than once. Come on, we hear this stuff. 
but do we think about it? Me and my husband just started talking about what is it, what would it have been like to be shipwrecked? 14 days, no sun, no moon, no stars. I would have gone slap insane and probably threw myself out into the ocean. I don't know, maybe. But think about that. They didn't eat. His, his back, by the time he was old, had to be crooked and scarred and beaten. But his life was so abundant. Hmm. Don't believe that lie. Their life was abundant, but there was plenty of pain. And this is why pain is kind of good sometimes. You need to know this. Our pain shows us what's really inside of us. Is our fruit real or is it real fake? How will you know if you have real joy if you don't go through some really dark times? How will you know? How will you know if you have real peace unless you go through some real storms? I'm talking about real storms. Come on, how will you know if you have real patience unless you have to wait? Waiting is painful. But how will you know what you're really made of? We read from John 12 earlier, Jesus is predicting his own death. He says he's the single kernel who's going to provide a plentiful harvest. And then the next verse, it says Jesus just starts talking to God. And he says, my soul is so troubled within me. And I about broke down reading that. Because Jesus is in front of a bunch of people. How much anguish was he in? He knew the end was coming. He predicts his death and then he says, oh, my soul is troubled within me. And then a voice has to talk from heaven. I wonder if God did that just to comfort his son. Pain. Jesus had the ultimate abundant life. We're all living off of the fruit of his life. Did he experience pain? How do we know this? So many stories, but one of my favorites, and the reason that when I start hearing that lie, it shouldn't be this hard for us, and we should just settle it. It will be easier if you did this. If you, I always go to the garden. <laughs> my husband's so tired of me talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. Because something tries to get me to tap out all the time. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I need to know that you feel my pain. And so I go to the garden. Luke 22, 39 through 44. I always think, God, why did you let us see this? Why did you let us in? But I'm so glad he let us in. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing. This is Jesus, guys, think. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Now listen to this. But so you think, so the angel came and strengthened him. So he gets up and he goes, no. It says, then he prayed more fervently. Wow. Wow. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. 
man, if an angel could just show up in my room, maybe everything would be okay. Man, an angel showed up to strengthen Jesus, and he prayed more fervently. Pain is real, guys. Pain is real. No one said it wouldn't be painful. If you're hearing that lie, know that it's the enemy. He's trying to stop you in your tracks. He's trying to keep you from stepping in to what God has for you. Don't believe the lie. Jesus would be bruised and broken and crushed, just like the seed he said he would be. And we know the end of the story. That's why we celebrate. The greatest pain in history provided the greatest harvest for all of eternity. Somebody say amen. Come on, we know the end of the story. Jesus' purpose ultimately won out. It overshadowed his pain. He accomplished what he came for to give us access to this abundant life. And just like Jesus, if you'll hang in there, your purpose will overshadow your pain. It will. Just don't give up. Your purpose will overshadow your pain if your life is rooted in him. Colossians 2.7. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. The one who already overcame. The one who is victorious. The one who is seated at the right hand of the father. Even as we're speaking in this room then your faith will grow strong in the truth. The truth. See, we need to know the truth. Because remember, Jesus said, the devil, he's the father of lies. Jesus says, all he does is lie. So I need my life to be so rooted in Jesus that when I hear a lie, I know it's a lie. And it doesn't stop me in my tracks then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Wow. How you live through your pain will tell you more about your relationship with God than anything else. If you're going to withstand the pain of the abundant life, you better be rooted in Jesus. This is just some interesting information about a root, but I want you to see this. The roots are the lifeblood of the plant. Wow. Absorbing water and minerals from the soil. Jesus. Roots are the first part of the plant to develop as nothing else in the plant can develop without them. Oh, this might be a clue for some of you. You're trying to live the abundant life, but you're not rooted in Jesus. You can't develop past that. So you're trying to do something you can't do. You have to be rooted in him if you want to develop. Roots also act as a storage house, I love this, for the plant in leaner times. Because the lean times are coming. The painful times are coming. But if your roots are down deep, in him, in him, no matter what's going to happen, he's not moving. 
And if my roots are in him, I'm not moving. So come at me, devil, because I'm not going anywhere. I am rooted in him. And you don't scare him. He makes the darkness tremble. Didn't we sing that a minute ago? So I don't have to be moved. In the lean times, in the good times, in the confusing times, I am rooted in him and I'm just going to keep growing and I'm going to keep producing and I'm going to keep providing. I might do it with tears in my eyes, but nothing's going to stop me from living the abundant life that Jesus came and died for me to live. God wants what he is producing in us to overflow to the world around us. This, my friends, is truly the abundant life. Your peace being the steady voice, the only person who has a clear head when crisis comes. Ooh, that'll preach to people. That'll speak to people. Everyone else is running around crazy. Why aren't you? Oh, because I'm rooted in him. And because I'm rooted in him, I have peace that passes understanding. We're going to get through this. Just, just hold on. Your joy Joy should be contagious in a believer's life. Because again, no matter what's going on, I can have joy. I don't know how, I don't have to know how it's going to end. The one I'm rooted in, he knows. So I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to be excited about life. Your love. Being able to love someone that has wronged you who doesn't even want you to love them. You can do that if you're living an abundant life. Your life will provide the world with tangible evidence and proof that God is real. Jesus ultimately sold out to his purpose to provide an abundant life for all who would believe on his name. And so it begs a question for each one of us will we sell out to our purpose will we live our lives as seeds are we willing to die to our self-centered me first life so that we can have the abundant life Jesus died for us to have are we willing to go through the process of being rooted so we can produce fruit and provide it to our world do we just want a better life because we can do that without Jesus. Is that all we want? Or do we want the abundant life? A life that lives on and on and on. They may put your body in the ground, but your life will keep living on. Who doesn't want that? Come on. My life is a seed. And I will willingly plant it. The devil can't steal it from me because I'm going in. I'm going in by myself. Develop me, Jesus. Do what you want in me, Jesus. So you can do what you want through me, Jesus. Because this is the abundant life. Stand with me.
I was done with my message, and then I, I just, I feel like, I don't know who this is for, but I had to go down, sit down and type this. Some of you have pain that is so deep that you can't even talk to God about it. You've been holding on to it, thinking if you let it go, all heck was gonna break loose. So you've buried it inside yourself and you've just accepted it as life. But Jesus wants you to bury it. He wants you to see it as a seed. You think it's too messed up for him to do anything with so you don't wanna talk about it. But you need to bury it. You need to let him have it. Because he will make something of your worst thing and it will provide healing for other people but you have to be willing to take it out of yourself and give it to the one who can do something about it would you close your eyes and bow your heads I want to ask you a few questions and, and then we're going to pray and there's going to be prayer leaders on the sides, I believe, on this side over here. First question I want to ask you is, are you in a rich relationship with Jesus? Come on, only you know that. Don't think about anybody else in this moment. Nobody else is rude. Think about your own. Do you have proof that you're in a rich relationship with Jesus, that you have fruit in your life? Is your relationship growing or is it depleted? Is it stale? Is it stingy? Have you become good at expecting other believers fruit in order to mask the fact that you aren't producing any? Can you see everybody else's flaws and everybody else's shortcomings, but you can't see your own? Come on, be honest. Jesus wants your honesty in this moment. Is God able to flow his resources to you so that he can get thee through you to a hurting and dying world? Or are you a hoarder right now? Come on, be honest. Are you storing things up because you're scared? Are you storing things up because you think that's what life's about? Why, why are you holding on so tight? And then last, but certainly not least, are you in pain? Come on, I know that some of you are in pain. I felt it so clearly. Are you in pain? Is your pain, does it have you one foot out the door and you're ready to walk out on Jesus? Listen to me, listen to me tonight. It will only get worse if you walk away. The only one who can do something about your pain, he is standing in here tonight. ready to walk with you and he's ready to talk with you but you've got to give the pain to him 
Now, this is what I'm going to ask, because I know that so many of you could respond to the different questions I ask, but only those of you who would say, I am in pain right now. There is something in my life that I've been holding on to, or there's something new, fresh in my life. I want you to come to the front. I want you to come to the front. And if you could answer questions, I want you to find a prayer leader over to the side. I'm going to pray for all of us, but I want to pray specifically for those of you who are in pain. And if there's any prayer leaders left that aren't on the side, if you could come behind some people here. Because some of you are about ready to give up at this altar. I know it's true. I feel it so clearly. encouraged you and you want to know more about 318 Live, go ahead and visit our website 318live.co and we hope that you have the best day ever.